Welcome back to These Truths, a World Voices podcast exploring literature and the deeper truths that connect us. I'm Chip Raleigh, director of Penn World Voices Festival. Today, we bring one of my favorite events from our annual festival called Cry the Beloved Country. This features some of the most exciting writers from around the world reflecting on what home means and how one finds hope amidst political and social upheaval. We'll hear from three writers whose work challenges the status quo, Russian poet and journalist Tatyana Volskaya, Uyghur poet Tayyip Hamut, and Turkish novelist Burhan Somez. Some of the reflections will be presented in their native languages. So let's get started. Tatyana Volskaya is a poet and has written critical essays and reviews for newspapers and journals in St. Petersburg, Moscow, and Paris, and served as co-editor of the St. Petersburg literary journal Postscriptum. She is a recipient of the Pushkin Award, among others. Volskaya has published five books of poems and works as a journalist at Radio Liberty, Radio Free Europe. She will be speaking with Alina Alter, a writer and translator from St. Petersburg. Her work appears in Bomb, the Paris Review Daily, and Modern Poetry and Translation. She's a 2020 Oral History Field Fellow at the Yiddish Book Center and the editor of Circumference, a journal of poetry and translation and international culture. We will hear Tatiana's poem entirely in Russian before hearing Elena's English translation. The conversation to follow is presented in translation. speaking with Tatiana from my current location in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Tatiana, if you could tell us where in the world you are right now uh, and a bit about your situation as a writer in Russia. I'm in a village outside of Petersburg where I bought a dacha, a house. I've been here for a month and a half with my two sons. During self-isolation, I can work here in the same way I would in St. Petersburg, but a lot more freely than my colleagues in the city. It's physically more free here, because in Petersburg it's forbidden to take a walk in the park. But there's also freedom of speech, which has been under siege for us not just during quarantine, but in general since about the start of the 2000s. The recently passed law about fake news is a very elastic law, so it can be used in relation to basically anything. And I'm being persecuted under this law, as are many journalists. I'm in a kind of suspended situation. I could be searched at any time. I published an article on the website of Radio Liberty that was an anonymous interview with a doctor who works in an ICU. He talked about how because of shortages of specialists and equipment, sick people have to be taken off ventilators. There was a negative reaction to this article. I got a call from the local police department saying that I had a summons to speak to an investigator, and they really wanted to know how my editorial process works and how I submit my materials. Uh, my opinion is that if they wanted to know how the hospitals were working, I don't think they would ask those questions. Could you tell us a bit about your most recent collection of poems? It's hard to talk about a collection of poems. It came out last year. It's called Winged Orderly, and it's in three parts. One of them is civic poetry, which I'd never written before. I wrote mostly lyrical poetry about love. But after the events in Ukraine, I broke through into civic poetry. It seemed that as a poet, I couldn't not respond. And since 2014, I've been writing poems about Ukraine, but also about history, war, Russia, and the present moment. These are also in the book. 
what will you be sharing with us today? Can you tell us a little bit about the piece? I'm going to read some poems uh, about the current moment. One of the poems is about Petrogradske, the, the neighborhood of St. Petersburg where I grew up and where I've been able to return. Our city has had a lot of experience of death. It was built on the bones of peasants who were brought here to build the city. And then there was the horrifying hunger in 1919 during the Civil War. Then the siege and the repressions. Petersburg and Tivigencio were massively repressed during Stalin. It seems like all the walls here are bloodstained. Whatever apartment you buy or wherever you move, it's like you're in the place of people who should have been living there if it weren't for those events. There's a very strong sense that the Leviathan who swallows people whole hasn't really gone anywhere. And there are several layers to the stone swamp image um, in the poem. So obviously the city is built out of stone and it's built on a swamp, which is the place our strained Peter chose for it. On the other hand, the line, do you really think you can bewitch the stone swamp? It's an image of autocracy pressing in upon a person. On the one hand, the stone city on the swamp. On the other hand, the stronghold weighing on you. And for many centuries now, chasing after your soul and your freedom. Would you like to read some of the poems? Ах, ты не хочешь сидеть, перебирая прошлое в мамином кресле, сливаясь с обоями, но пока ты спишь будущее железной горошиной под дырявой периной толкает тебя в бока. Неужели ты думаешь заклясть это каменное болото, обойти со спины извивающуюся страну, все ее скользкие шеи, ядовитые зубы, вышедшие из моды пыточный реквизит? Ну-ну. Ты думаешь, новые стены не будут к тебе суровы, из соседних окон на тебя не нахлынет мгла? Здесь на каждой стене не просохшие пятна крови. Запомни. Куда бы ты ни пришла, этот город пропитан смертью, недоидилей, а сестренка любовь, попрошайка, дворничиха, швея, разрывая объятия, из каждой комнаты кого-нибудь уводили. Кто знает, чья теперь очередь, может быть, и твоя. You're selling the apartment full of frozen cries of passion, sorrow, hate, all of them. Here it is, life, breaking off in pieces of Ladaga ice, sailing down the Neva with a rustle, spinning beneath the bridges, promising to return, the city's tune, stuck in the ear, scratching the throat. Don't believe it. So you don't want to sit, sifting the past in your mother's chair, blending with the wallpaper. But while you sleep... The future, with its iron pee, jabs you in the side beneath the ragged covers. Do you really think you can bewitch the stone swamp, get around back of this writhing country, with all her slippery necks, venomous teeth, unfashionable props for torture? We'll see. You think new walls won't treat you harshly? 
Darkness won't flood you from neighboring windows. Every wall here is stained with undried blood. Remember that, wherever you go. The city is suffused with death. No time for idols. And little sister love is a beggar, a janitor, a seamstress. Breaking embraces, they took someone out of every room here. Who knows whose turn it is? Maybe yours now. Next, we will hear from Tahir Hamid Iskil. He grew up in Kashgar, in China's Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. He is recognized as one of the foremost poets writing in Uyghur. He has also directed numerous documentaries, music videos, advertisement campaigns, and feature films. He currently works as a producer at Radio Free Asia. His poetry has been translated into English by Joshua L. Freeman, who will also be speaking with Tahir today. Their work has appeared in Asymptote, Crazy Horse, Off the Coast, Words Without Borders, Berkeley Poetry Review, and The Southern Review. Joshua L. Freeman is a historian, translator, and currently a Kotzen postdoctoral fellow at Princeton. Again, we will hear Tahir's poem entirely in Uyghur before hearing Joshua's English translation. The conversation is presented in translation. Before we hear Tayyar's piece, entitled, What Is It?, I wanted to start by letting everyone know where we are. Uh, we're speaking, of course, over the internet, but physically, I'm in New Jersey. I'm in Fairfax County in Northern Virginia. Due to the pandemic, it's been a couple months since I've out. When was the last time you were in the Uyghur region? And can you tell us about current circumstances there? The last time I was in the Uyghur region was August 22nd, 2017. That day, my family and I had to leave our homeland. We went by plane to Beijing. And on the 25th, we came to America. The current situation in the Uyghur region is tragic. Starting about five months before my family and I left, innumerable Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other minority citizens began to be sent to internment camps. This is continuing today. According to current estimates, between one and three million Uyghurs and others have been interned in the camp system. In addition, we've confirmed that more than 400 prominent Uyghur intellectuals have been sent to the camps and the prison system. Some of them have been given long prison sentences. Among them are many writers and poets. They are my colleagues, my friends. So the situation in my homeland right now is still very grave. One thing I wanted to ask you. Over the course of history, many writers and poets have lived in exile. Now you've left the place and the linguistic environment you grew up in, the society you're used to, and are now living abroad. How has all of this affected your poetic work? Has it been an obstacle to writing, or perhaps in some ways a source of inspiration? It's true that for a poet or a writer, leaving one's own language and creative environment is a painful thing. Because I've always written in Uyghur. Elements of the Uyghur environment and Uyghur life have always been a deep source of inspiration for my work. 
Now I've had no choice but to leave my homeland and live in diaspora, in America. To put it simply, this was never something I wanted, but there was no choice. Since arriving in America, my environment has changed completely. Adjusting to life here, continuing life here, has become the number one issue for me. So I've written some poems, but not as many as before. I've written a few, but sometimes I have no choice. The reason is, since I left my homeland and came here, my heart has never been at peace. Because so many things are affecting me, disturbing my heart and unsettling my mind. Of course, perhaps for a truly talented poet, all of these things might be a source of creativity. Perhaps I don't have that talent. I can say that I've encountered difficulties with my creativity. That is to say, as my daughter Asina says, since I moved abroad, I've become a simple person. Someone who doesn't have the same poetic inspiration as before, or can't write good poems. But I think this is probably a temporary situation. That's my hope. I want to continue my poetic work in Uyghur, even here in the diaspora, and I believe I'll be able to. Because other than moving forward, there's no other option. Perhaps for me this is both an obstacle and a new creative environment. And perhaps for me it could open up an even better creative path. This may turn out to offer something positive. This brings us to the poem you wanted to read today. Before I read this poem, entitled, What is it? I wanted to say a bit about it. I wrote this poem November 7th, 2017. That is, soon after I left my homeland. This poem recounts my inner emotional experience of the life of flight and exile that I experienced when I left my homeland and came to America. This poem expresses exile and pain. It expresses my precise feelings and mood from that time. Nimeydi? Kech pəslədə çamıdanın qat qətiqi yüşürənsi tənbiriş, ölçəmdin eşibkəsi yaxşı qüman, bağansır dağımlası tuyuq yol, çikinci qəvət toxtisi köçgöç, nəmə idi sana minin təxtirik hikəlləkimini bildirməkin? Minin batının bilən zahirim şu qədər addi. Ey qarı köz, işçidin qızırdıqan bir tüptərək taşqı aylınar minin yenimdə. Bir bağlam xuşbuy adrasman, iştik üsər, porəkləb eçilər, burun qıbır, şik tüvdə. 2017-ci il, 7-ci noyabr. And I'm going to read my translation of Tayyar Hamad's poem entitled, What is it? What is it? From far away, from behind the domed water, that stayed with me that came along with me. A weak vow written in the yellowing fog. Audacity standing at an angle, or the layered dimness passed from hand to hand. 
These days are crowded with shattered horizons. Shattered. In the runaway season, when surrender hides deep in the suitcase, when noble doubts run over the weight limit, when dead ends continue onward, when the exodus stalls at the second floor, what is it that keeps you from seeing I am still alive? So simple are my inner soul and outer face, O dark-eyed one. A tree that reddens from within turns to stone beside me. A spray of sweet-smelling camel grass grows quickly, blooms open at the doorstep of the past. November 7th, 2017, Washington, D.C. Our last featured writer is Berhan Somez. He's the author of four novels, which have been published in more than 30 languages. Burhan's writing has appeared in The Guardian, Der Spiegel, Die Zeit, and La Repubblica. He now divides his time between Istanbul and Cambridge. He received the Vaclav Havel Award in 2017. He will be speaking with Nancy Vitale, producer of this podcast and of literary programs here at PEN America. Burhan Sonmez, thank you for joining me today from thousands of miles away. I am in my tiny New York City apartment that I share with my family. And where are you? I'm now in Istanbul, in Turkey. When I look at the window, I see uh, the rooftops of so many buildings and uh, the sea in distance. So could you tell us about what you're going to share with us today? When uh, I read and that title, Cry the Beloved Country, I wanted to uh, say a few words about the feeling of home. Ağla sevgili ülkem. Ben doğduğumda kimse bana doğmak I was born, nobody asked me whether I wanted to be born. Maybe I wouldn't like to. When I die, nobody will ask me whether I want to die. Maybe I wouldn't like to. My country is like my life. I found myself in it and I wouldn't like to abandon it. I know that my country is not the best. It has many problems. It suffers. It gives me pain. I was born in a small village with no electricity, no tap water, no proper road to the city. Years later, when I went to exile for political reasons, living in a beautiful British city, every day I longed for my little village more than any other place. It was far away, not only in distance, but also in time. I knew that the village that I missed was the village of my childhood memories. Was it a paradox? or polyphonic nature of life to live in a modern city and miss an old village? When I hear these kind of questions, I feel that literature is the best way of understanding life. I grew up in Turkey, where I have always fought for a better country. I wanted to create a brighter future for myself and for everyone. After decades, Now I see that the current situation of my country is much worse than it was years ago. 
When I was a child, we got a military coup. When I was a teenager, we got another military coup. It was normality to be arrested and tortured for my generation. Today, we have another normality with the globally highest numbers of journalists and writers in prison. Even simple words are being treated like criminal weapons. Three years ago, when Turkish army started to destroy Kurdish cities in the southern regions, we, as writers and academics, called for peace. Then authorities stated that the word peace was unlawful and forbidden. Last year, when Turkish army went into northern Syria, we stated that it was an unjust war. Then authorities said that it was an operation against terrorists, not a war. Using the word war got forbidden too. All those writers, journalists, academics who used the word war or peace were called the enemy of the state by the president. In order to avoid coronavirus pandemic in prisons, government has recently declared amnesty for 90,000 prisoners, including mafia bosses, rapists, robbers, and excluding journalists, writers, and politicians. If you are in favor of democracy here, you can find yourself in prison without mercy. If you are a worker, you have to find a second job to maintain your family's livelihood. If you don't have money, you have to send your children to religious schools because secular schools are payable since they are not supported by the government. Then you feel that if you have good memories of your country, you have to bring them surface. If you have good dreams for the future, you have to fight for them. I know that no country is perfect. My country is my home that I have been constructing with my dreams and memories. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to ask, given that the words war and peace have been outlawed, how do you write about these concepts in your novels and in your journalistic writing? We, we express it without fear. In Turkey, we got kind of strong resistance. People don't care about the government's threats or being in risk of going to jail. People write whatever they think. Of course, then government pick up some of them to victimize them. Because people like me, I mean, writers, journalists, academics, not only a few dozens or a few hundreds of people. We are thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people here and strongly against the government. Can you imagine a government has been in power for 20 years and half of the society strongly against them? We are very much outspoken uh, despite all these new laws against freedom. And my last question is inspired by the filmmaker Werner Herzog, who said, the deeper truth is an invented one. So how does storytelling bring us to deeper truths? That's great. The truth is multidimensional. The truth is something very easily changeable. The literature is the main tool to see the different angles uh, of this truth. 
Because when I say I live in Istanbul, I can say, okay, I have one Istanbul that I write in my novels, but there are so many writers that write about Istanbul. So which one is the, the, the true Istanbul? Which one is the right one? I think and I believe all of them are true, all of them are right. Because we touch on surface the different part of the reality. When we see all these different angles of the truth, then we start to understand at least some part of that reality. To learn more about these remarkable authors, to purchase their books, and to hear extended readings of their work, visit our website, pen.org slash worldvoicesdigital. If you have been inspired by these writers' offerings and would like to share your own reflections on your country, there's a link to leave us a voice memo on the pen.org website page for this episode. Or share your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at penworldvoices. There, you can also learn about all our offerings from our digital festival. Next time on These Truths, we hear from poet Reginald Dwayne Betts and folks from PEN America's Prison and Justice Writing Program about how literature deepens our understanding of those marginalized by society. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. These Truths is a production of PEN World Voices Festival. Nancy Vitale produced and edited the series. Special thanks to Destry Sibley, Jared Jackson, Polina Sadovskaya, and Emily Folan. I'm Chip Raleigh. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe.